everyone, this is Victor from Cyborg for Life, and today I have a very special interview for you. He's a cosmetic limb lengthening patient who underwent femoral limb lengthening at the Paley Institute. Please enjoy the interview with David. Hey everyone, this is Victor from Cyborg for Life, and today I'm joined by a cosmetic limb lengthening patient who underwent bilateral femoral lengthening last month on May 6th at the Paley Institute. And he was so kind to come on and share his story with us. So please join me in welcoming David. Hey, David, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing great, man. So first of all, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. Uh, patients love when other patients come on and share their story so they can kind of get an inside look at the whole limb lengthening process. So I want to start off with a little bit of a background on how you came across the limb lengthening procedure. Uh, was this like a recent decision that kind of came up in the last few months or year or so, or was it like a deep rooted decision that was broiling for years? I was always the shortest child growing up, sort of like in class, and I was short enough to merit visits to a pediatric endocrinologist when I was growing up to check my growth hormone levels. And even though my growth hormone levels were clinically normal, but on the lower side, I was still eligible for human growth hormone therapy. And unfortunately, I didn't get it. And I really wanted it, um, but I didn't get it. And then when I was um, 18 years old, I tried to go back one more time to see if I could get it because then you can make your own medical decisions. Mm -hmm. And when I went back, by then my bones had fused and my growth plates were closed and uh, that was it. And I remember my uh, father going with me and he would come along because he was a pediatrician. And I just, you know, remembered the car ride home after I learned I couldn't grow anymore. <laughs> and it was just this weird, like eerie feeling, like looking out the window thinking like, oh, I'm just, just this height for the next 70 years, I guess. I <laughs> like, you know, it was, yeah. So, you know, it, it, it does go, go back quite a bit. Um, but the, an interesting thing, Oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I want to. I want to dig into that car ride because I, I want to get a little bit more of that experience. So, you found you just found out that the growth hormone treatment therapy is not going to work for you, and you know your current stature is what you're stuck with for the rest of your life. Um, and your father, who's a pediatrician, he was he on board, or what was his whole kind of uh, demeanor about it all? Um, his demeanor was one a little bit of indifference, I guess. Um, just sort of that, you know, there are population variations and, you know, statistical dispersions and people get, you know, people get where they are. You know, people can be five, five and a half, they can be five, nine, they can be six, two, and they just sort of end up. And as long as they're within some sort of normal bound parameter, then everything's okay. And you didn't seem to think much of it, but I was really hurt about it. Yeah, man, that's, that's super rough. So, um, so this was a deep rooted decision since, you know, you were a teenager. Um, now can you kind of take us forward as you're progressing through the years? So you're a teenager. Now you're, you've realized that growth hormones not going to work for you. So what's next? What, how does it, how do you progress? Are you in um, school or do you experience other type of, um, you know, experiences with your height or yeah. Can we go into that a little bit? Yeah, well, let me talk about school, but let me go back a little bit to like middle school and high school when okay. I was, you know, first seeing the pediatric endocrinologist, probably in middle school and late elementary school. I was the shortest in class, but it was interesting because um, unlike the stereotype, I was never really bullied because of it. Like I, I had great friends and, you know, my friends would always joke at the end of the summer or at the end of, um, at the end of the school year, 
you know, we're going to come back uh, after summer four inches taller. He's just kind of like, you know, get a growth spurt. And so it was actually wonderful to have like, you know, like more friends who are on, feel like who are on your side and who, who don't make fun of you. And then after, you know, I learned the growth hormone wouldn't work. I was in college by then. And an interesting thing happens is for a while you forget about your height and it's just like life goes on. But then there's always the, just these subtle reminders that are popping up. And one of them for me, because my background is in uh, the physical and life sciences is learning about statistics Mm -hmm. because height is one of the great ways to teach people about statistics because it falls along a a normal bell curve. Um, It's distributed quite normally. So it's a very easy way to teach people statistics. So it's used in the class. And, you know, that's where I learned I was about the sixth percentile of height for, for adult men in the United States, about, you know, like five foot five and a half um, or so. And so that was annoying. And then just, then just being reminded about my height by people sort of like seemingly randomly for no reason. Mm. Um, like in, in classes and study sessions, you know, one of the female students, you know, reminded, she decided just seemingly out of nowhere to remind me, um, you know, you're not that tall. I, I, it was a weird thing. And so it was always really frustrating. And then, you know, generalized life annoyances too, you know, seeing height just basically glorified everywhere, not finding properly fitting clothing is a problem. Luckily, I was tall enough. I can find, you know, some pants and shirts that fit me at, at you know, some stores. But, you know, a, a lot of it was just too big. And that makes your stature even worse. Because without properly fitting clothing, you, you just don't look the best you can. And it's best to dress for your body type. You know, like women made it clear that height was a very important thing to them. Yep. And also, interestingly enough, um, it I, I seem to recall it really affected my interview uh, skills as well, like not being taken seriously in interviews. And I have some sort of anecdotal evidence just, just to back that up because um, luckily we live in the 21st century. Mm-hmm. So you can do a lot of interviewing over Skype or Zoom. Right. And nearly every job I ha- I've had since I graduated from university, I've gotten over a Zoom or a Skype interview wow. without an in-person interview. Okay. But for some reason, my in-person interviews just don't work out that well. Mm. And I just can't seem to figure why that is. It's like, am I, is, am I carrying myself differently? Mm-hmm. Or is there just this sort of unwritten bias against short people mm-hmm. um, where, you know, you're being interviewed and you're just not taken as seriously. Right. Whereas over Zoom, you can't tell if the person is 5'2 or 6'2. <laughs> so true. So now we kind of got the background of like where it all started and like what your experience were as you were going through middle school, high school, and even the university and even job interviews. Now, when did you figure out that there was something called limb lengthening and the actual procedure that could be the game changer for you? Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that, David? Yes. I discovered leg lengthening back around 2010. Okay. And I had a consult very shortly after with Dr. Rosebrook in New York City in early 2011. Okay. And um, I couldn't go through with leg lengthening at the time for a couple of reasons. One was I couldn't afford it. Right. Uh, secondly, um, 
I didn't have any sort of like moral or emotional support from any family members or close friends. They, they thought it was crazy. Yeah. Um, but, you know, 10 years later, I'm living in Florida and I realized Dr. Paley's Institute is down here mm-hmm. and I have the money and I have more support from uh, family now. So I decided to, um, to go for it. Oh, that's crazy. That's super cool that, you know, even though it took a decade for everything to kind of come around full circle, um, you know, that you're able to get this done. Now, I want to kind of like really kind of peel back the, the, the layer on um, the family members not being very supportive of your decision to try to go through with limb lengthening. Can you explain a little bit about like, like why they didn't support you or like just give us a little bit of like, you know, or highlight some of that area for us. You know, one of my family members did come around. Um, you know, my mother, when she sort of like saw my life and just sort of saw how annoyed I was with every, with, that, with you know, my general life situation around my height. Um, my father still sort of remained opposed to the idea of me getting leg lengthening, but um, a tough luck. Um, you know, there's, more than one medical um, philosophy in the world. Yeah. And so I decided to go forward with it because medicine um, isn't just about saving life. It's also about quality of life. And that's part of what uh, this procedure is. It's a quality of life uh, procedure to help people get taller so they can feel better about themselves and um, maybe be treated better uh, by society. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that statement that you just meant there. It's about the quality of life and not one aspect, um, but the overall conglomeration of those aspects. So um, nothing in the world is just one thing. Yes. Is probably the most important statement to make Um, because there's a lot of research papers out there on on stature and its effect on people's life. Um, There's plenty of research papers on income and on how height affects income and how it's positively correlated with income. Mm -hmm. And these papers have been done both in the United States and over in England. And they found that there is a positive correlation of height with income where your as your height increases, so does your income. Now, of course, we all know that might not be solely due to height. There's other confounding variables, like maybe if you're short, you're picked on, you don't believe in yourself as much, you don't put in as much effort, so then you don't have as much salary. Mm -hmm. But there's still an association there. And there have been, you know, research papers that show that increase in income uh, due to stature also affects women. So it's not just men. Yeah. And, you know, uh, people probably don't need to hear this, but um, relationships and stature uh, for men, women uh, tend to value height when looking for a a partner. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's a really good book out there called Blink by Malcolm Gladwell. And uh, in it, he writes about how people you know, do tend to have these initial reactions upon seeing someone. And you, you judge them whether or not you, you want to, and it's important to remain cognizant of that. But you know, one of the statistics that's out there that's really interesting is that an overwhelming number of CEOs in the Fortune 500 companies are well over six feet tall. And very few of them are under five foot seven, so they don't follow the normal uh, distribution of height. Right. So based on randomness, it should be equal. Yeah. But it isn't. There's this tendency to favor the taller individuals, and 
you know, that's just something, you know, can't look past. And then one of the most depressing papers I found was a paper from about 15 years ago mm -hmm. on, um, on height in Sweden. Okay. And in that paper, it found that for every five centimeters difference in height, for every five centimeters someone was shorter, yeah. risk of suicide increased. What? So there is an inverse correlation with height and suicide. So the taller you were, the less likely suicide was to happen. Now, it is crazy, yeah. but the thing with height that, you know, I think short people understand is that there can be all these small little nagging things on the end, right? It's like things with jobs, things with employment, things with dating, mm -hmm. you know, things with even finding proper clothing and, you know, failing to, failing, failing to acknowledge that is, is a problem because it, you know, it, it hurts people Yeah, and some people just can't handle it, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, so nothing in the world is just one thing, but um, a lot of small things can really add up to serious consequences. All right, David, so now I wanna go back to the initial consult that you had at the Paley Center more recently in the last couple of months. Uh, can you take us back to that day when you were talking to Dr. Paley and when you were visiting the center, did you see other patients? Um, what was the atmosphere, the environment like? What was going through your head? Well, when I went to the Paley Institute for my uh, consult and my initial lab work, mm -hmm. it, it was really, quite studying how well-oiled and greased of a machine this is here. Like, it, it, it is a real class act. It, it is really incredible to see uh, something like this at a hospital. Um, and sort of, I actually kind of completely decided to do it even before the consult, just based on that, <laughs> like based on, based on how well everything was put together. Cause I saw all the patients going in for their physical therapy and coming out, waiting for the shuttles. And I was talking with them and I was speaking with, um, Sylvia, who's one of the uh, point people uh, down here, where if you're a patient and you have a question, you can just text her and she'll help you get the information you need. And so she was showing me around and it was, you know, it was just such a class act. I was like, well, yeah, I'm probably, I'm really going to do it now. <laughs> wow. From just the blood work and just seeing the center before he even went to the consult. Very cool. So can you explain, can you compare and contrast the consultations between the one you had 10 years ago with Dr. Rosbrook and the one you had more recently with Dr. Paley, what was, uh, where's the similarities and where are the differences? I would say they're mostly similar. Um, they, you know, they watched you walk to see how your gait was. They, you know, bent your legs in all sorts of directions to determine I get your flexibility, mm -hmm. um, the flexibility of all your uh, tendons and muscles. And I'm not a physiologist. So if I tried to say these things, I, I would butcher it, but, um, yeah. And then, um, you know, true to, um, there being differing medical philosophies, um, when I was in New York city, um, Dr. Rosebrook recommended the tibias and down here, uh, Dr. Paley and Dr. Robbins recommended the femurs okay. and, um, my proportions were such, I could have done either. Okay. Yeah. And, um, so I uh, decided on the uh, femurs. Um, just for a few reasons, um, it's a little bit quicker. You can distract more in a day right. if you uh, want to, mm -hmm. um, it's a little bit cheaper. And so that's a plus. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, only, only one bone having to heal instead of two. Yes. And, um, I like that. And so that's why I ultimately decided to go with the femurs, even though, 
my, my flexibility and my, my ratios were of such, I could have lengthened either set of bones right. and um, been good. Okay, very cool. And now that actually brings me up to my next point, I actually want to ask you of how you're doing now, because you just, you had your surgery, uh, May 6th was your surgery date, so that's a month ago. Um, how far, how, how are you doing? How are you holding up? And um, how far have, have you lengthened so far? So far, I've lengthened 23.75 millimeters. So yeah. that's just over two centimeters. So by Monday, I will be one inch taller. <laughs> oh, and, um, and, um, you know, it's kind of interesting doing this because you go slowly, you know, day by day, right? Right. And people recognize it at different times. Yeah. Like there are some, there are some patients here who, who have been, who've lengthened like five centimeters and they say, I don't see a difference. And, um, and for me, like when I was at like just eight tenths of a centimeter at eight millimeters, I could already see a difference. <laughs> um, it, it, it's actually kind of easy because at, at 166 centimeters, um, roughly five, five and a half, mm -hmm. um, that, that puts me at about just slightly taller than the average woman because average women in the United States are about five foot four. Okay. Yeah. So, so, you know, when making eye contact with people, it's kind of easy to tell where you stand with, with, with height. Mm -hmm. And, um, so there's a couple of people who work here who I see all the time, mm -hmm. um, now, cause I'm always at PT right. and one day I just, realized I was a little bit taller than she was instead of just making direct eye contact with her. And I was like, Oh, this is only eight tenths of a, of a centimeter. This is wonderful. Like, like I actually feel wonderful, you know, already just being only one inch taller, which is or not even one inch taller yet, but being just under one inch taller. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's great. And, um, yeah, so it's, it's going well. Okay. Uh, there's really two stages of pain that you have to look forward when doing this. So the first one is the surgical pain where you walk into the hospital and you're perfectly healthy and then you wake up and your legs are broken, <laughs> both of them. <laughs> and then you wake up and you immediately think, why am I doing this? <laughs> but then, you know what? It's done. So you go forward with it. And, um, and um, yeah, so um, then comes the lengthening pains. And by lengthening pains, I don't really mean pain due to lengthening. I mean the tightness of the muscles when you do lengthen. Yeah. And so you've got to stay on top of, of stretching. It's mm -hmm. really important to listen to the physical therapist and to do the stretching. Mm -hmm. um, you know, luckily I'm doing this in the summer. Yeah. And when your surgical heals, surgical scars heal enough, you can get clearance from the doctor to submerge, which wow. means you can go in the pool. And they have um, a special handicap um, chair access to the pool at the hotel I'm staying at, at one of the hotels that has basically a, a that's close to the Paleo Institute where the shuttle comes. Right. And it's a great place to do these stretches because even with Precise 2.2, mm -hmm. which I have the largest rod, so 75 pounds per leg. Okay. And before surgery, I weighed 128 pounds. Now I weigh 115, so I lost a little weight, which is normal. Wow. But um, when you're at least chest height in water, the buoyancy of the water makes it so you can walk in the water. Wow. And you can stretch in the water. And that's such a helpful, it, it's just such a helpful um, stretching option than just lying on your bed or lying on a massage table and, and doing it. And, and so 
I, I can't say I can't imagine doing this in the winter without the pool option. <laughs> and thank goodness it's Florida too, because the winters here aren't even that bad, but right. it's still cold. So, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that pool uh, hydrotherapy, I think that's one of the most beneficial aspects. Um, if you know you have access to a pool and if it's warm enough, um, because you can do it in free motion, you can do it at any angle and uh, find the tight areas and really work that area. So very cool. Um, very cool, David. So now I'll, I want to kind of talk about um, you. So you said that it's been really a little bit hard with the you had the surgical pain and then now you had the, the, the tightness of your muscles and everything like that. What areas uh. in particular are getting tight on you? Or is it like more your hamstrings, your quadriceps? hip flexors, calves, where, where is it getting tight on, tightest the most for you? Oh, I've certainly noticed it more in the hips than anywhere else. Okay. Luckily, I was a pretty active person before all this. And so I had pretty good range of motion for my quads and my hamstrings. And um, th those seem to be doing well. But my hips are just, you know, they're killing me, man. You know, they, <laughs> they, um, you know they're, they're tight. You know, if I stand up too quickly, they, they can hurt, you know, the um, you know, I'm pushing through it, but, you know, um, and the best you can do is actually exercise and, and try to walk, you know, like when you just want to stay still and sit down and, I don't know, maybe play a, a video game, you really shouldn't, you should get up and, and stretch. And, you know, for me, I try to make sure I do a stretch at least every hour. Wow. Like, it, like, it, like, it doesn't matter how much of a stretch it is, mm -hmm. because, 30% of something is better than 100% of nothing. Absolutely. And so, so after watching a movie, you know, when you're in your hotel room, like get to it, do a quad stretch, do a hip stretch, do, do some stretch, um, but, you know, whatever the physical therapist recommends. And then of course, you know, where you're tight too. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's important. I found the physical therapist very helpful in telling them where I'm tight, you know, what, what, where the, you know, uh, you could say pain, the tightness pain is and how to work that out. And they work with you with it. And um, yeah. That's awesome. That's very cool. So your therapy's going well. And I mean, even though you have tight hips, you realize that and you're working at it really rigorously. Now I'm going to go to another aspect of Lumlingthony and that's the most coveted mm -hmm. aspect. And that's the height goal. So you said earlier that you were about 166 centimeters, which is just about five and a half, five, five foot five and a half. Um, or just about five, six or so, what is your lengthening goal? Like you're doing the femurs and we all know that you could prop with a precise 2.2, you can go up to a, a full length of eight centimeters. Is that your goal or are you going to shoot for something a little bit shy of that? Tell us a little bit about that. Oh no, eight centimeters is not my goal. <laughs> so, you know, because um, when you're, you know, lengthening these muscles, you know, I want everyone to know I don't have a background in physiology at all. Okay. But I do know you're stretching out these muscles and I have no interest in sacrificing function for form. Right. And that's one of the big things I've read in uh, the uh, Paley Institute brochure, which is they value safety above all else, and so do I. Yeah. So when I tell people I'm going for a maximum of 5.1 centimeters, okay. um, you know, some people look at me like, what, you could do more? And it's like, no, 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 no. Like, I know I could do more but I don't want to do more Absolutely. because because I liked mountain biking. I like going to the gym. I don't want my tibia to femur ratio to get too far okay. out of whack. Great. Especially since I don't have plans to do my tibias. Okay. Yeah. But, and you know what? I even said, you know, 
to someone like I, I would rather do four centimeters in the femur and come back and do three in the tibias if I really wanted more height yeah. just because I, I don't want to you know just crank out eight centimeters in my femur and you know <laughs> have like these really stretched out muscles um yeah because I want to you know be able to do, and I know people recover from this surgery you know just fine yeah. But I want it to be a, a quick, easy, smooth recovery. I don't want it to be long. I don't want it to be drawn out. I know the more you lengthen, the longer the recovery is. And um, so, yeah, 5.1 centimeters maximum. Maybe I, I would give myself a few bonus millimeters after that. But um, And if I don't hit that goal, um, if I go, go in at four centimeters, that's okay. Because as far as I'm concerned, I've already won by doing this. Like, I'm already almost an inch taller. I mean, you know, like, it, anyone who does this surgery and gets any amount of height out of it has already won because they've already put themselves through a rather painful endeavor, you know, to, to get height. So every turn I get, I'm just grateful for. Yeah. And it's important for all, everyone who's looking to do this to realize that your overall health it's not worth sacrificing your overall health just for your height. Absolutely. Trust me, I want height. Like, I mean, that's why I paid, you know, that's why so much money has been paid for this and why you lie in bed awake at night because your legs hurt because you're lengthening them and your muscles are stretched and you're sore. Like, trust me, I, I, I get it. Like, but I also get, I mean, whole body. You know, I'm not just legs and I'm not just, you know, muscles and legs. And so... It's my overall health too, which also includes my psychological health, which is another reason why people do this because they want to feel better about themselves. And um, yeah, so 5.1 centimeters, two inches. Um, yeah, I think you're, you're going to recover really well because uh, most surgeons that I've spoken to uh, over this past year, they all say that five centimeters or even a slightly above on the femurs is a very good success rate. Um, the only patients who ha would have problems is if they're not doing therapy and you are. Um, you just mentioned that doing stretches whenever you have a chance, going to the pool um, and everything like that. Very cool. Now, David, I want to ask you about, you know, support. Like, obviously, we all know that this is a very lonely journey. Um, obviously, you're the one with the broken legs and you're the one who has to go through the, the constant physical, physical therapy and um, painful, you know, aches and pains. But do you have any type of, um, let's say, fam family support, friends who support you or anybody in general who's just knows about you know, the process that you're going through that can um, kind of like, that kind of give you support, moral support. Yes. Um, luckily, I've had a family member who's been here with me. Oh, excellent. And that's been very, very helpful. Um, and if you want to do this leg lengthening by yourself, there are, you know, home health nurses that can come out and help. Mm -hmm. And I would say they're certainly needed. Um, yeah. It's kind of hard to describe what it's like to be on your bed with your legs hurting, and then you want to just grab your phone to look at it, but you realize you left it on the other side of the room. And so then that means you got to hop on your walker when you just want to rest a little bit. Because sometimes you just got to lie down and rest. You can't stretch all day. And um, then you got to sort of walk over there and, you know, deal with a little aches and pains and grab your phone and walk back. And then then you realize you want water or, you know, you, you're hungry or, you know. Um, so it's really important to have a uh, someone to help you even if it's for part of the day absolutely because yeah. you don't want to burn your energy doing laundry cooking right um stuff like that you really want to burn your energy on the stretches on the exercises you know that's where you really want to 
that's where you really want to put your your physical and emotional energy is like you know stretching out what you can and i've had a couple of friends of close friends who know about this who i've talked to over the phone and and uh, they've been helpful too okay. and um yeah, but it's important to get out not stay in your hotel room all day mm-hmm. and see the sun right yeah especially when you're in florida that's, a, that's an amazing uh, area for sun um very cool so now i want to go to another big you know I guess, concern that patients have about this procedure. And we all know that is the cost because the cosmetic aspect, it's not covered by insurance. And so what are your, what are your thought pro- what's your, what's your thoughts on this? Like, basically you went through it, you had to pay the massive fee. Um, can you explain a little bit about like, you know, pretty much what you're thinking, like, Hey, I'm going to drop a lot of G's on this procedure. Um, yeah. Give us your take on that, David. It's a lot of money. So it's a lot of money. Look, there's no way around it. It's like you're talking, you know, over $90,000, you know, for the fingers only, which is the cheapest option, by the way. You know, tibias are over 100000 And then um, if you look at the other options that they have at the Paley Institute, people do quadrilateral surgeries. So they do the femurs and then the tibias three weeks later, and then they lengthen like simultaneously or something. And so some of these options can go over a quarter of a million dollars. <laughs> and when it comes to money, you know, money is sort of like an enigma because it can do everything and it can be nothing, you know? Yeah. And you can only do three things with money. You can spend it, you can save it and invest it, or you can give it away. Right. That's all you can do with money. Yeah. And, you know, like, <laughs> and so I, I, don't, I don't just look at the total cost of it. I look at the total cost of it over, over time because, yeah. you know, um, the reason I'm, I don't want to do my tibias is because if you take $100,000 and you invest it for 30 years, you yeah. basically have a funded retirement account, <laughs> 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 you know? And so, yeah, like, you know, the, the, the cost for my precise 2.2 surgery, which at the Paley Institute comes with 60 PT sessions. Okay. And luckily, you can use these PT sessions in any way you want it's normally over the course of a week so monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday and then you're off saturday and sunday mm-hmm. but you can request to do double days or you can request saturdays oh. um uh, but you have 60 sessions that are paid for in part of the package that i got okay and i just bring that up because you can buy more and it's important to realize that this isn't an all-inclusive thing like it doesn't include the hotel room okay yeah it doesn't include Uber Eats, um, which save money for Uber Eats people. Like that thing is a lifesaver here. And being able to get great food, like Greek food and, you know, all, all sorts of great, you know, stuff down here in, in South Florida. There's a lot of restaurants down here. Um, it's good because you need to eat a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so it's not just the $93,500 um, of the procedure. Um, it, it's more than that. So it's, it ends up being well over $100,000. But, you know, the question is, you know, does your stature bother you enough to put that money into this? And for me, I just felt such a sense of injustice of not getting human growth hormone that I felt like, look, I'm down here. I live in Florida. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the best um, limb lengthening centers in the world is here. Yeah. I was like, and it's been bothering me enough where 10 years ago, I, I... saw Dr. Rosebrook because I was considering doing it. So I was like, you know what? I, I should just do it now because I don't want to look back when I'm 45 and regret it mm-hmm. and regret not doing it. 
and I also don't want to, um, it's also better, I think, probably to do it younger when you're healthier um, so that, you know, you can heal good and, and, and quick. Yeah. I mean, hey, look, going for a conservative amount of length, like you're doing, doing your physical therapy, um, you know, and everything else like that, I think you're going to recover really well. So um, another aspect that I want to bring up here is uh, complications. Now, a lot of patients fear, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen to my legs or any, um, you know, or am I going to have permanent long term effects or uh, nerve issues? Have you had any type of like minimal complications or do you worry about any complications that might come up in the future? Or do you feel like you're well under you're, you're being well taken care of and you feel like your physical therapy and uh you're gonna make it through okay you know i'm i know i'm gonna make it through good when you're in the the thick of it you know it is kind of rough yeah. because you know you have trouble walking you know you have trouble doing the regular walking motion at times because everything it you know you feel stiff um and even with the physical therapist telling me wow you're doing great with your stretching and they're like you know, they'll even say, look at this guy's quads, <laughs> and I'll pull my leg back, and, and you know, <laughs> they're, like, they're like, look, 135 degrees, that's great, and it's like, yeah, I, I know, but it still hurts, and, <laughs> and um, no, it, it, it's wonderful. Um, as far as complications are going, luckily, I had my first follow-up a few weeks ago, okay. uh, week before last, and I have my next one this coming week, okay. and I have good, I have good bone growth that's going on already. So that's good. And, um, you know, the only one of the complications that I was just most concerned about reading it, because it sounds so terrifying, yeah. was the threat of a something called a non union. Yeah. And you know, because that sounds like the absolute worst one to have, like the bone not growing back together. Right. Um, you know, luckily, based luckily, based on my first set of x rays, that's not gonna be a problem with me. If, if anything, there there's more concern about a premature union oh. than, than, a, than a non-union because of how quickly my, my uh, bones are growing back together. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, you know, I just, I know it's a process yeah. and you have to take one day at a time, you know, like one, one turn at a time. Yeah. For sure. And, um, yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a great way to put that. And, um, you mentioned uh, that your bones are healing really well. That shows that your body's, you know, facilitating nutrients really well to the, the bone. Um, now, if that's the case, then it must mean that it's burning off a ton of calories. Now, can you tell me, have you lost any weight during this process? Because a lot of patients, they always say, look, you know, a lot of limb-like patients who have gone through it, they've lost a ton of weight. I even lost some. And um, so I want to get your take on what your weight loss has been like, if you had it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I, I'm a, kind of a, a, a slim guy. I'm, I'm pretty athletic and people can tell when they look at me, but I, I am slim. So at five foot five and a half, I, I weighed 128 pounds before the surgery. Okay. And, you know, not a lot of body fat um, I'm on me and okay muscle definition, but, you know, I. Um, it's okay to say I was, you're ripped, sounds like that. <laughs> oh, no, not ripped. But it is kind of fun, though, because after the surgery, when you start to burn all that fat, all that fat comes off your torso and you look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, whoa, I look good, you know, because all the fat's gone and then all, all those years of weightlifting, it's like, hey, they paid off, you know? <laughs> um, although, although all the fat and muscles from your legs goes too. Yeah. And um, so the best way I can describe it for your listeners is, um, you know, at the gym, when you go and you see the guys who are, who are kind of like really buff at the top, but they've never done leg day in their life. So mm -hmm. their arms are bigger than their legs. Um, 
that that's kind of how it feels like when I look at myself now. It's, it's like, wow, like I used to cycle a lot, so I had nice calves, and now they're just kind of gone, and my my my, my quads are like you know really small now, and so I've lost weight. I weigh 115 pounds. Oh, wow. Um, which you know, on one hand, is only 13 pounds. It's not a lot, mm-hmm. but on the other hand, 13 pounds out of someone who weighed 128 is a pretty good that's percentage of yeah. And so, yeah, thank goodness for Uber Eats. And I'm glad I didn't do this 10 years ago because some of these um, apps, DoorDash, Uber Eats, are very helpful during this procedure specifically because, you know, you don't have to go out grocery shopping with the home health aid. You can just have, you can just order groceries and have them delivered. Absolutely. Or just order order the, the, the food you like, you know, like, you know, like, you know, but it gives you an excuse to eat, you know, 2,500 calories of Chipotle and, <laughs> and, um, you know, and, um, yeah, so, you know, order the extra guac and everything. And, and I would just say, um, too, because I, while doing this, you see everyone, you know, around the hotel who's doing it. And, you know, I, I do notice that there are people who do eat, you know, a lot of donuts, a lot of bagels, you know, sort of like more, traditional yeah more higher carb diets and going back to overall health i would just say anyone looking to do this keep your total health in mind you know it's like like carbs are great you know like i I love chips i you know and all that stuff Mm -hmm. but i I know blueberries and cherries you know trump potato chips and uh good healthy foods um you know because your body's getting put back together so put the best uh nutrients you you can in it and eat healthy, but eat, eat, eat a lot too, you know? <laughs> I love that statement you just said there, because I think a lot of people kind of pan right over the nutrition aspect of this. But if you think about it, you're right. You're, you're building your body back. So giving it the building blocks it needs like protein and stuff like that. You can eat a lot of food, but just make sure you have at least the quality uh, essentials there and you'll be all set. Um, that actually brings up another question that, that I have for you. And that's um, basically uh, pain levels. Um, Obviously, if you're you're resting well and you're eating well and you're doing your physical therapy, you'll probably minimize pain. But have you? I mean, you mentioned earlier that the tightness of the the muscles and stuff. But like, have you had any other aches or nerve issues that were like throbbing at night that would wake you up and you have to pop some painkillers or anything like that? Can you tell us a little bit about your experiences with the pain management? Yeah, so it, it's harder to sleep at night. Okay. I, I don't know. It, it seems like, you know, pain receptors are more active at night yeah. when you're lying down and they're screaming, something's wrong with your legs. And you just want to reply, yes, I know this evolutionary system is broken. Like, I know there's something wrong with my legs. I don't need to be reminded. Um, yeah. And, you know, so that does make sleep hard. And I have had some sleepless nights. Okay. And um, so I would just say you, you got to get sleep when you get it, it when you can. If it's 1 p.m. and you're tired, knock out for an hour, okay. you know, and then wake up. Um, I haven't been able to get large chunks of sleep, mm-hmm. like eight-hour chunks of sleep or seven-hour chunks of sleep. But I've been able to get two- and three-hour chunks of sleep throughout the day. Okay. And so that I think that gets me enough. Yeah. yeah. As far as, um, you know, pain medication goes, it's uh, – it's mostly Tylenol once you're done with the prescriptions that they give. I think if it's bad enough, they'll prescribe you something else. But, you know, it's it's mostly, you know, uh, Tylenol. And 
I'm not quite sure how much the Tylenol helps because some days I've gone without it and I felt the same. You know, I actually think a healthy diet might be better than than um than than pain medications because you go eat you know crazy unhealthy greasy stuff. You know how you feel afterwards, oh, yeah. and then you know how you feel after you eat something that's healthy. Mm-hmm. And you know, so I, I I think maybe diet might matter for me now more than the pain medications. Um, yeah, yeah. This deep into your process, I would always say that you know, after the first three to four weeks, a lot of pain, you know, start to dissipate a little bit. And then you want to kind of like find more natural and um, alternative methods to manage your pain. seems like you're doing it really well. Um, so now, David, I want to ask you about, like you said earlier that the process is going pretty smooth. You're lengthening pretty well. How many times a day are you lengthening? And what rate are you going at um, to hit your goal of 5.1 centimeters or yeah, centimeters? Well, I've been going mostly at four turns a day. So 0.25 millimeters is one turn. So four turns a day is a millimeter a, a day. Yeah. Okay. Um, a few days, I've only done three because of the tightness in the hips that we talked about. Yeah. And I'm going to inquire with this a little bit more at my next appointment because um, I, I did ask and I was told not to slow down too much because of how good, because of how quickly my bone is growing. Mm-hmm. Right. And but, you know, if I could alternate three and four, it might be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some people here who, who I know only do two turns a day. Yeah. And, and, but it's, you know, it's what you're comfortable with and it's what can, can help you. Like, it's what, it's what gets you through it. If four or three is too much and you need to slow down, talk to the doctor and see if, see if it's okay. Because, um, it's not just the speed of the lengthening, it's also your comfort process, your comfort while you're doing it. <laughs> and, if, and if you're just gonna yank those muscles apart and it's too much for it, it's like, well, <laughs> you know, talk to the doctor, maybe they'll say slow down and it's okay to slow down because you might have to just, you know. Yeah, give yourself a little bit of catch up time and um, pace yourself essentially. Um, yeah. That's what I'm gonna do because the soft tissues are the link- limiting factor of this whole process. So um, just another question or two here. And uh, I wanna ask you about like, um, the, now you said you had the precise 2.2 nail, and we all know we've all I've made videos on this basically about the recall of the stride nail. Not you know it's a fully weight bearing nail. It's been recalled, so it's off the market right now. So you proceeded with the precise 2.2, which is not fully weight bearing. You can handle about 75 pounds per nail. Um, how has your you know I guess mobility been affected since you don't have a fully weight bearing lengthening device? You've had to use the walker. How do you kind of um, dictate how much pressure you're taking off your legs by putting your upper body onto the walker and then transitioning from, you know, different positions like the bed to the chair to the wheelchair to, you know, wherever you are, um, the shower, everything like this. Can you tell us a little bit about that, um, your mobility? Because I think a lot of people right, or other devices that aren't fully weight bearing, but they just can't, you know, take the plunge because they're not 100% sure. You are going through the process. So give us a little bit of insight there. Well, during physical therapy, during my, my second day at physical therapy, yeah. uh, what they did was they pulled out the scales and I stood on them, two separate scales, and they were showing me, this is about how much you can do each. And then recently I've been walking on the scales and as I take a step, they'll move the scale so I can see it as I step on it, to see how much weight I'm transferring on that foot. Right. And <clears throat> luckily, I'm, I'm a slim person, 115 pounds now, so... You know, 
do the math. Uh, I have the biggest precise nails, 75 pounds each. I can stand without any assistance. And, um, and as far as mobility, it, it's really the tightness in the hips that affects the mobility more than the nail itself. Uh, so, you know, I, I would say that um, I don't even know if I would be a good comparison just because of how light I am. Yeah. And that I was lucky enough to get the biggest precise nail. Right. Because um, I, I, we weren't sure. When, before I went into surgery, um, the doctor said, based on your x-rays, you might get the 10.7 millimeter mm -hmm. nail, or you might get the 12.5. Okay. We, know, we won't know until we're actually in the room and you're under. <laughs> so so for the, this is interesting. For the first few days, I didn't know what I had. <laughs> That's um, yeah, and um, so I was operating for the first few days as if I had the fifty pound, um, fifty pound nails, and then, then, I, then I learned I got the, the the biggest nails, and um, and that was good. That was a surprise to me too, because I am so slim. I thought there's no way I'm going to get the biggest nail. Right, right. But but I got lucky, and it is lucky to be able to stand up straight, because there are people here who are doing femur lengthening who weigh, who who are taller and you know broader and you know, weigh more than 150 pounds. So they can't just stand up mm -hmm. uh, straight. But that allows me to do some normal things. So, and I, I think it's probably good for the bone growth, being able yeah. to stand at the sink and being able to brush my teeth mm -hmm. and being able to stand at the sink and wash my hands, just normal things. Um, change my shirt while standing up mm -hmm. um, is good. And as far as waiting for a stride to return, you know, that's a personal decision yeah um i'm glad i decided to do it especially now since i think we learned you know stride isn't going to be back for probably what another 18 months or 24 months or something like that like like it's going to be a while the, the rumor mill going it's like it's like another two years really and <laughs> so you know when stride is back maybe that'll be better you know to have the the mobility mm -hmm. but Precise 2.2, I'm glad I got it. Yeah. And the cool thing about that is you're getting it done now because then, you know, the sooner you can get back to normal life and everything like that. And that brings me pretty much to the end here, David. I want to ask you now, you know, you're going through this process. Um, you, you've had a really analytical approach to this for the past decade or even more since you were, you know, in grade school. So I want you to kind of put into, if you can, into like a sentence or even a short paragraph. Like, can you give our viewers some advice of like, or some last words or um, recommendations that if they're considering this procedure, some takeaway knowledge that they can use to make the most out of this procedure if they decide to go through with it. If you decide to uh, increase your stature, um, certainly talk to people who've done it before, even on the web forums. Yep. Um, it is a little more painful than I thought it was going to be. Um, but that's part of the game, unfortunately. Yeah. And um, realize, you know, a lot of people who are doing this have had, obviously had problems with their height. Mm -hmm. And while you're doing this, realize that you are a whole body, you're not just a height. Mm -hmm. And don't sacrifice any other part of your health for your height. You know, the best phrase I saw out there was, um, you know, don't sacrifice function for form. And so, yeah, go with, you know, a a great doctor, you know, like Dr. Paley, you know, the Paley Institute, Dr. Rosebrook up in New York City, 
know, there's plenty of other great doctors. You've interviewed a lot of them and, um, and, you know, have emotional support. You don't want to be doing this by yourself. You know, you don't want to be, you know, locked away in a, in a hotel room by yourself. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, and, and try to make it up. Try your best to make it a, a, a part of your life where you can fit it in the, the best too, because it does take a couple of months out of your life. And then when you're done, my understanding is when you're done uh, with the lengthening process, you have the consolidation process, and then you're walking with a cane for a little while. So depending on your job, you know, you may be out a little bit longer than you originally anticipate, especially if you go for the higher event levels. But you, you have to do what you want to do. And um, good luck to everyone who is uh, looking at this to move forward with it. And if you decide to do it, um, realize you've kind of already won just by making that decision because it's not easy. And and don't sacrifice any of your health for Lent. <laughs> I love that you keep saying that because a lot of people, and that's the main thing that I get asked is how much thing can I achieve? Almost as if it's like a, uh, a drive-through you're ordering off a menu. <laughs> and the yeah. end, your body and you got to be very careful with what you're doing um linkedin and observe and you're doing a really good job with that uh david so uh david i want to thank you so much for coming on and sharing your perspective um your experience that you're currently going through um i want to wish you luck with the you know with the rest of your linkedin uh, process and then all the way through your consolidation phase who knows maybe we'll have you on again sometime to uh hear about when you're up and walking uh in the end but um yeah thank you so much for joining us and uh yeah we'll talk to you again great thank you for having me Absolutely. What a great interview with David. Not only did he explain the process of going through high school to college to job interviews, but he also explained how different aspects of one's life could be impacted by their height. And he said he'll be back for a part two. So until next time, this is Victor from Cyborg for Life signing out.